welcome. Thank you for joining us here at ICGC Caris Temple Podcast. Pastor Prince Nyako is the head pastor of ICGC Caris Temple, serving under the leadership of Dr. Mentor Otabel. Pastor Prince is a dynamic preacher of God's unadulterated word, characterized with a strong prophetic insight and prayer ministry. He is a strong advocate for discipline and order in the body of Christ, with messages centered on fasting, holiness, prayer, and integrity. And now, to today's message. And I believe that um, I really don't like it to have preached in flaming altars because I want to be seated to listen. If there is any conference um, you will advise yourself to miss, it's not a conference like flaming altars because I realize that God must be taught to maximize who he is. He said that he made known his act to Israel, the children of Israel, but he made known his ways to Moses. There are people he taught, he teaches the process so that he can just send them and they'll go and do it and get the same results. And there are those he just gives results to. They don't know how it happens. It is in such conferences we find the processes and the ways. And please, let your heart be connected and your life will never be the same. Lift up your hands and wave it to Jesus. Wave it up to Jesus. And you are God from beginning to the end. There's no place for us. You are God all by yourself. You are God. You are God. From beginning to the end, there's no place for argument. You are God all by yourself. You are God. God richly bless you for such a wonderful opportunity. Can we celebrate God on his behalf? I believe that you have raised many, you have blessed many, you have impacted many, you have counseled many, and I'm one of them. God richly bless you. God richly bless you. What about our mommy? Let's celebrate her. Hallelujah. God richly bless you. Amen. And our men of God for service, I salute you. Pastor Innocent, Mommy, I salute you. Amen. Please, let's be seated. 
tonight I am touching on the subject the church God's hospital the church God's hospital please if you celebrate God celebrate it will be good it will not be an injection <laughs> hallelujah the church you know when Jesus came on earth there were statements he made that gave us a picture of what humanity represents the Bible says in Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 that he looked at him and the Bible said that he had compassion over humanity because they were confused and helpless. King James says that they were fainting. That was the reality of humanity. Jesus was not confused about us. He saw a fainting generation. He saw our misery. He saw the mess. Though we didn't see it. When he came on earth, we were well composed. One of the most unfortunate things is to be in a mess yet you don't know. And then he came to meet priests, came to meet prophets, well-organized Pharisees, well-organized uh, people doing their businesses. But Jesus looked at them and he said, these ones are living their lives as though there is no shepherd around their lives. These were scattered abroad in total mess. And we could pick such words from Jesus to know our condition before he showed up. One time he finished 40 days fasting, came out in Luke chapter 4, 18 and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has assigned me on humanity for an assignment. Number one, to preach the gospel to poor people. And he wasn't talking about people who lacked money. He was talking about people whose life were devoid of the life of God. And people that had no association they began with the nature of God but something happened and they lost everything and they have adapted a new nature that has deformed their being he said these ones are poor and he said that he came to heal the brokenhearted these are men that are composed but deep within their souls are breathing there is pain in their heart. Their hearts are broken. There is no hope. They try to organize themselves. I'm telling you the condition before Jesus came. And he said, I came to heal broken hearted men and women. They are well dressed, but there's something going on within them. Apostle Paul calls it this generation, the groaning generation. The Bible said they are traveling and waiting endlessly for the manifestation of the sons of God because they have been subjected to vanity. And that was the condition of all humanity. When the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that God gave us up to a vile affection and gave us up on our minds and we began to live a life that was totally totally contrary to what God represents and what God has destined for us Jesus came and started revealing to us who we are he said to preach deliverance to captives and recovery of sight to the blind men were having eyes but they couldn't see they just couldn't discern 
the danger of sin. They couldn't discern the danger of disobedience. They couldn't discern the danger of whatever life that they were living that were alienated to the life of God. Men just couldn't discern. So one day, the Bible said that Isaiah went to heaven and he saw the glory of the Lord. And then God said, who do I send and who will go? And Isaiah shouted, I will go. And then God warned Isaiah of the condition of humanity. He said that you are going to a people. In seeing, they see, but they don't perceive. In hearing, they hear, but they do not understand. That is what's the condition. Men were walking about, but they were blind. They didn't know the consequences of their evil ways. They didn't know what it meant to live a holy life they didn't know what it meant also to live a sinful life they didn't know what it meant to reject god they didn't though they were religious people they knew the laws some of them were pharisees they could quote the whole five books of moses yet they didn't have a little idea of who god is and then jesus comes on earth and he begins to look at them i have come not only to preach a kingdom i have come to establish a kingdom and then he looks at the people that are going to represent this kingdom and these are men that are poor broken-hearted in captive in blindness without hope these men were even shy of their own selves they knew that there was no hope and Jesus said, I came for you. One time, he was eating with sinners and they asked him, Sir, the Messiah coming, we've read a little about him. He should have no business with sinners. And then Jesus reviews another thing and tells them that the sick, the well needs no physician, but the sick that means that I am a doctor that I've come to establish an earthly hospital to come and call out a people. Listen, can I tell you something? Jesus is not ignorant of our weaknesses. He knows our condition before he established this kingdom. And there is one thing that the whole body of Christ must understand. That we are dealing with a God who is used to handling mess. In fact, the first characteristics that he showed of himself in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without void and formless. And the waters covered the earth. And gross darkness was on the, on the, on the surface of the waters. And the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord hovered. The spirit of the Lord hovered. And then God said, let there be light. He, he didn't start the accounts of creation with something good. He started with something formless. But at the end, created something good out of formlessness. That is who he is. He is not intimidated by mess. He is not intimidated by evil. In fact, one of the greatest sins is to flee from God because of your sin. Because there, there is an ability in him. To call light out of darkness. There's an ability in him to impart life in death. There's an ability in him to impart righteousness in evil. Am I talking to a church here at all? That is why he came and he began to explain to us certain parables. There is a mystery about all the parables that he came to reveal to us. 
And when you read Matthew chapter 13, verse number 35, let's read it quickly. Matthew 13, verse number 35. He said that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. So every parable that Jesus actually spoke of was a foundational secret from the foundation of the world. Something hidden in God that must be revealed in time. And then Jesus began to play them out in parables that you need discernment to understand. So when you look at a parable like the parable of the prodigal son, it's not only telling you a story. It's about the nature of humanity and how a young boy took his father's property and went to a far country, misused it, and then at a point in time, dealt had to eat with pigs. And at that point in time, told himself that I will return to my father. And he came back with the scent of pigs, with the clothes of peace but the father saw him from afar and ran to embrace him before he could change his clothes to tell us that this is how humanity has been how Adam took the glory and messed up with demonic forces and went very far from God but when it was time for man to return man came dirty but God still embraced him am I talking to a church here at all man came as a disobedient one but God still embraced him have you ever thought of it that God embraced the man, the father embraced. Nobody knows the number of minutes before the cloth was changed. So when you return from how far you have gone from God and one day the Holy Ghost directs you into the church, we are not in haste to change you because we don't know the number of minutes God will want to hug you. I, I, I don't have a church here. Am I talking? Listen, there are some people that you will choose to hug for one year. And those people, whilst he hugs them, they will still have their dirty clothes on them. But you hug them. It is after he finished hugging you that he changes your clothes and gives you a ring. Am I talking to a church here? These parables are to tell us the expectation of Jesus for us. That he's expecting you to enter in the way you are. Just the way you are. There are many of us who think that we must change first before we enter. But we enter to change. Nobody can transform his life without the impact of God himself. Righteousness is almost impossible without God. Have you not realized the, the good Samaritan? Have you not realized that parable? How he found the man half dead. Then put him on his donkey. Went to an inn paid for the inn and then applied oil and wine on the wound and said I go take care of him if I come back and there is still more cost to him, you have incurred I will pay it back it was not just a story he was talking about how he found humanity dead but he took humanity on the donkey of his grace and went to an inn called the kingdom of God and paid for it with his life and gave us an oil and wine which is the Holy Spirit that we will be healed of the womb so that if he returns back am I talking to a church here at all I just want us to come to a point where we know that Jesus is not ashamed of us he's expecting us in our mess he's just expecting us because his gathering and his calling is like a hospital he's ready to deal with you the way you are He's ready. We 
don't go out there to tell people to change before they come we go out there to tell them to come because their doctor is inside that's right that's right am I talking to a church here at all he's right here so we must understand who we are and not to feel that it is in our perfection that Jesus will be impressed it's not in our perfection it's not in our righteousness self-righteousness that's not it that's not it so one time Apostle Paul understanding this mystery studied his walk with God and studied when the messenger of hell was sent to him and began to buffet him and then Apostle Paul said I besought the Lord three times and the Lord said my grace is sufficient for you then Apostle Paul looked at it and said God's strength was made perfect in his weakness and he said from today from today I will boast in my infirmities for when I am weak then I am strong that means sometimes God shows up in our weaknesses even far better than he shows up in our strength God ceases to be God if you can take care of yourself he ceases the kind of people that God is calling is not people who can handle their lives it's people who can come and they come very strong even if you come very strong he will break your bone so that you can depend somewhere on him this is who we are for no one the Bible says know ye not your calling Apostle Paul told the Corinthians know ye not your calling that not many nobles were called but he called the foolish things of this world to confound the wise so anytime I see somebody who is saved I see somebody who used to be foolish he said no you not that means God will never call a wise he only calls the fool to turn him into a wise man he said no you not that he called the weak to confound the strong he finished and said so that no flesh will glory in his presence no flesh he said that is how he works it's a place where we come and one is blind he can't see then he calls on Jesus like blind man Bartimaeus then another is lame he can't walk then he calls the name of Jesus and said help me to walk then another is dumb he can't speak but even in his dumbness his spirit cries out to God and say Lord help me when the church of God meets Jesus is looking out for a people who have come to themselves that we cannot live by ourselves we need you Lord we need you we need you so he said I have been anointed for these people he is a Messiah for the weak he is so we must know who we are then we come to a place of who he is you don't just walk to any doctor. You must know his speciality. So now you accept and know your weakness and know where you fall short. Then we come back to know who our doctor really is. Jesus, who he is. So that we can be comforted to sit under his feet until he work on us to heal our wounds and to repair our brokenness and 
to rebuild us one more time. Have you not realized that he said something? I will build my church. I will build. That means that by the time the church comes around, they are deformed. But I'll take my time to build them. The whole issue is not the gathering. The issue is the building. So you, he, he receives everybody. But there is an agenda of a building over time. You see, Jesus was very careful to choose the word church. Because in the ancient Greek, the word church was what they used, ecclesia. It was an assembly. An assembly of people. It wasn't the whole of the city. But sometimes over 30,000 people, then just 6,000 would be called into the assembly. And they made military strategies, decisions. They voted. They were the deciders of how the city must run. That was the ecclesia. To call them, to qualify to be called. That word call means classes. But when they gather as a whole, it's ecclesia. And they come in to strategize, to declare war, to establish magistrates, legislation. Those were the people that established the law that governs the whole city. And Jesus knowing that I'm going to choose the foolish among the world. I'm going to choose the weak among the world. And I will build them up so that when the gates of hell should come, these people have gathered and have been built up to make strategic plans and strategic moves to defend the city and to keep the city. There is a plan. One way that God wants to insult the devil is to choose the weakest in the world and build them up to withstand the forces of hell. When you see the church, you are seeing a group of people that have been called to be empowered, to be strengthened, to rise against a certain force that is out there. You are part of an, an end time agenda. You are part of it. The day God called you among us, you became a part of a certain assembly that God is going to use as his end time weapons against the forces. That's why when Jesus said, I will build my church, the next thing was something about war. The gate of hell shall not prevail because the ecclesia always guarded to make military strategies and to declare war. When the ecclesia gather and come back and tell the city that we are making war with this country, you all go. Why? Because they have guarded. Tonight we will know our place and when we meet like that, we can declare a war against COVID-19. Am I talking to a church here at all? This is why we have been called and this is why we have been empowered that we meet to make strategic decisions. Jesus said the people that I will choose will be the ones that will make strategic decisions for the world at large. That is why he said go into the world and preach. Represent me. When the, when the spirit of God comes upon you, you shall receive power to be witnesses. From after, after this conference, may you receive the grace to stand as a true church in our generation. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Knowing who you are, this is a passing by. Knowing who you are, then you know how Jesus will preach. How, the, how Jesus is going to work through us.
to bring us to the place where every believer becomes a terror to the kingdom of darkness listen our assignment is not to dress and come to church our assignment is to distrust satanic networks that wherever you enter that is why when he said that go into the world he was he was careful to use the greek word cosmos go into the uh, the strategies the structures of this world the economic structure the entertainment structure the media structure. go there and begin to impart that place we are we are weapons in his hands and everyone that calls himself a member of the church of the body of christ must understand who you are we are not just here to entertain ourselves we have to come to a place of understanding that even if we are clapping our hands we know it's a weapon if we are shouting we know we understand that our shout is a weapon we understand that our makeup our calling is to that is jesus christ when the devil comes in as a flood the spirit of the lord will lift up a standard against him for the redeemer will come to jacob the house of jacob and he said that this is the covenant he will make with them my spirit that i'll put upon them and my word that i'll put in my mouth shall not depart from them it shall not depart from their seed neither shall it depart from their seed seeds therefore arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord is risen upon you for there will be gross darkness on the uh, on the land and thick darkness on the people but the glory of the lord shall shine do you see where it's coming from where it's coming from is that there is there is a flood of the devil coming but in the same way the redeemer of the house of jacob will arise and he will establish a covenant with a people that people is you and i and he will put his spirit upon us and put his mouth in his word in our mouth and he said when that one happened now arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord is risen upon you and you have been anointed to deal with the darkness you will be anointed to deal with the darkness that will be upon the people oh jesus and they that dwell in the land of zebulon have seen a great light even they that dwell in the valley of the shadow of death we were not called for entertainment people of god we were called so that by the time god finishes with us he can relax because he knows that if caris is in sakumono everything is settled that is what he means that's what he means am i here with the church at all listen we must we must come to that understanding we must come so jesus says that let your light so shine because you are the light of this world and you are the salt of this world may we not repeat the time of the old testament when the bible said and truth were far and evil was on the street and the lord sought for a man and he wanted that there was no intercessor it never happened in our time that God will see homosexuality and will be looking for a man. Anytime God sees evil on the land, He does not look at the evil doers, He looks at only one righteous man. What are the righteous people doing? What are they doing? That is why the church was chosen. He picks you the way you are, then He brings you to a place. But everyone that God chooses must understand this attribute of Christ Jesus so that you don't feel guilty of yourself 
the one that has called us number one you must understand that he's at peace with you you may make errors but he's still at peace with you in Exodus 33 the Bible said that I, I, I still don't understand that question that Moses asked God that show me your glory is there any glory beyond parting the Red Sea is there any glory beyond turning water into blood but the man has a discernment that normal men didn't have show me your glory then he saw that there was a different glory that God has not revealed the moment he said that he said I will show my mercy to whom I will show my mercy to I will be good to who I will be good to then he said I will hide you in a cleft and cover it and all I will let you see is my back then when he saw his back he said you are not permitted to see my face then by chapter 34 he tells Moses his true glory and he said I am the Lord and he began to proclaim I will be gracious full of goodness abundant in mercy full of truth he said, I am merciful. Do you want to know my glory? Moses, all that you will be dealing with, I'll be dealing with you, will be my back. The law, the judgments, the sicknesses, the rejection, the ignoring you, not listening to your prayers. He said, everything you are going to experience from me will be my back. But the generation is coming, they will see my face. When they see my face, they will know that I'm full of mercy. If they see my face, they will know that I'm full of abundance in goodness. Am I talking to a church here? They will know. They will know it is through the goodness I will cause them to repentance. It is through the goodness that they shall love me one more time. It is through the goodness that I will take them and handle them by patience and by long suffering. I will take care of them until they become who I want them to be. May the mercies of the Lord be revealed in our lives from tonight. May the long suffering of the Lord be revealed in our lives. He said, this is who I am. And the Bible says, and Jesus came in the face of God. And when Jesus came, one time they brought a woman to him, caught up in fornication. And then Jesus, he said that Moses said we should stone. What sayest thou? Then Jesus bent down and began to write. Then he stood up. Anyone who have not seen before, cast this stone, first stone. Then he bent down again and he began to write. And when he rose up, there was no one. And he asked the woman, where are your accusers? They are gone. Then he said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Let me tell you, let me tell you, all that he was trying to say, they came to tempt him with Moses, the law of Moses. But remember that the first time he wrote the law, he healed his own stone and wrote it and gave it to Moses. And Moses went and saw that they have built calves and they broke it down. And he told Moses, now heal your own stone and I will write with my finger. 
and then Moses brought it and he wrote another one for Moses. When he bent down the first time, he was telling them that that law you want to tempt me with, I'm the one that wrote it for the first time. And he rose up again and told them, you bent down the second time and wrote it the second time to tell them that the second one too, I'm the one that wrote it, but I have come. There was no way I would give the truth to another man. So I gave him the law. That's why the Bible said the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. There was no way I would give the truth to a common man. I will only give him the law, but I myself will bring the truth. And here is the truth. I have come to show mercy. Though you may be caught in the sin, I'm not encouraging you to continue. Go and sin no more. But I also want to tell you that I've not come to condemn you. I've come to work on you. We are not here to condemn people. We are not here to drive people away. We are here to present a Jesus that will cut the essences away until we become in the fullness that he has determined that we should be. The first thing we must know about Jesus is his nature of long suffering. The law could not capture that nature. The Old Testament folks didn't capture, but he reserved it for us. Those who will have the ability to see his face for we all with open faces behold him as in a glass are changed into the same image from glory to glory as we behold him he said where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty he said in the days of moses there was a veil but now where the spirit of the lord is the veil is removed and we can behold his face and anytime we behold his face we don't go out with condemnation we go out being changed into his person i pray from today as you behold the mercies of god may you be changed into his person i said may you be changed into his person may you be changed into his person that was the nature even the devil didn't understand so one time the devil thought that god was angry with moses and when moses died the devil quickly went i'm going to take his body god said you don't know me devil you don't know me i may be angry but i won't reject you am i talking to a church here at all i may be angry that is what that is what the devil really didn't get it the moment he thought god was too angry that god will reject moses forever but he came and realized that there is a nature of God which is called the long suffering. Every believer must understand that we are not here to encounter and engage a God who is so quick to send us to hell. We are, we are with a God who will take his time to process us through till we become in the fullness of his stature. That is where he's taking us. That is where he's taking us. On the other day, when God went to Jonah and told Jonah, go and preach to Nineveh, their sinful generation, Jonah thought that he has won the card because that Nineveh has tormented Israel for many years. Wicked came and they were tormenting the nations. So Jonah thought, this one, this one, God must punish these people. This one. Then God stirred up disobedience in the heart of Jonah so that Jonah would de decide to run into the middle of the sea. Then at that point, God orchestrated a fish to come and swallow Jonah because the Nineveh people had the God of fish. 
So when the fish caught up Jonah and came to, no fish will risk his life to come to a dry ground. But when the fish entered the dry ground, he went to the sight of everybody and vomited a man out. When he vomited, everybody knew this man is an uncommon man. He has been sent by a God. So when he went and said, your God, even my God said you are offending him. The king to animals began to fast because we fear our God and you came from the belly of God, we will not be disobedient. God knew how. And it becomes a worry if your repentance gets your preacher man angry. <laughs> Jonah went back and said, why have you forgiven them? Then why did you preach for three days? But the man went back to God and said, kill me, kill me. I want to die. Then God caused a God, just a fruit to die. Jonah was lamenting for the fruit. And he said, even a common fruit, you want to save the life of that common fruit. How much more a city with 120,000 people? He said, I love them. I love them. You love the fruit. I love the people. Sometimes we love the money, but he loves the souls. We love the fame, but he loves the souls. Sometimes we love the properties, but he loves the souls. Am I talking to a church at all? We serve a God who is long suffering. Sometimes we want him to strike, but he looks at us. You see, so, and that is why sometimes the people that give you much pain, they get blessed. <laughs> Those that you want God, you want, you want God to prove the anointing on you to them. The more they offend you, the more they flourish. Why? Because the Bible says it is through his goodness that people repent. He showed his hard side some time ago and no one repented. So this time he saw for God so loved the world that he gave his son. After that he has grace mountain. He has Karis temple. He has Christ temple. He has Pentecost. Then God realized that people Romans chapter 1 he said that he revealed his invincible power to man but he said they did not serve him neither did they thank him and they turned the incorruptible God into images there is only one thing that can touch the heart of that is love. So God shifted to his love nature. And by the time he shifted, on top of Israel, he got Ghana. On top of Israel, he got United States. He started getting millions. Am I talking to a church here? The first medicine that he gives to everybody that enters the church is called love. That's the first injection. That's the first. It's called long suffering. First Timothy 1 verse 16. Let me see if I can read it quickly. First Timothy 1 verse 16. Can we all read it one to go? Let's, let's read from verse 15. When he called himself a chief sinner. Apostle Paul. One to go. This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am chief. Verse 16. How bit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them 
which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. He said that Jesus used me first. A chief sinner, persecutor of the church, evildoer, destroyer of the foundation of the church. He said he used me as a pattern so that everybody that has lost hope will know that no matter what as long as God exists there is an aspect of him called long suffering you are hurting him but he's waiting for you there is your, your transformation is slow but he's still waiting for you I don't like teaching this subject because it makes people comfortable but that's who he is that's who he is that's who he is he said that it has become a pattern can you imagine one time I was studying Hebrews chapter 2. Then he said that, who is man that God visited? And who is the son of man that you are mindful of? For you crowned him with glory and with honor. And you put him in charge of everything that you created. He said, but now we do not see it to be so. He said, but you made yourself lower than angels and died the death and by God's grace tasted death for every man and called all men into glory and he said that he became the captain and the author of their salvation that's just the first part but the verse 14 he shows us why he, Jesus became a human being and that is very serious he said for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also somebody say he also he also himself likewise took part of the same the same flesh and blood and very soon you understand why jesus took the form of flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him that has power over death that is the devil verse 15 and delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifestyle, lifetime subject to bondage. Verse 16. And verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. That means when Jesus was coming, he had an option to come as an angel. He had an option. The Bible said he decided to take the form of the seed of Abraham. He decided to take on flesh and blood. And you will know why he did that very soon. Verse 17. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. In things pertaining to God. To make reconciliation for the sins of the people. The main reason why he began to feel like us. Take flesh. Take blood was because he wanted to be a merciful and faithful high priest so that when you are going through temptation he will not just hear you he will feel you so that when we are going through challenges he will not just hear our prayer but behind our prayer is a feeling he also had when he was tempted at all point that he did not sin he said, if that thing happens, then the verse 18 comes in. There is an agenda. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor, help them that are tempted. Oh, so anytime you enter into church and be a part of the body of Christ, 
you have come to a place where your high priest has been in your place before every time the bible says he was tempted at all point yet the good thing is that he did not sin but he knew what he had that didn't make him sin so the bible says that he's able to help everyone that comes around that is why he is bold to say come no matter the situation he said come last time he said that let the bride and the church say come let he that is thirsty come he's not afraid to let the weak come because he has been there before and he knew how he survived so he will be a faithful and a merciful high priest he has been there before when he we knows how we feel when a man wants to stop drinking and he cannot stop he knows how we feel when a young man wants to stop fornication and he cannot stop he said he has been tempted at all point the good thing is that he read will not fall he did not sin but he said come boldly to the throne of grace that you will obtain mercy and find help so anytime you are coming here you are coming here to a person who has feelings for you you are coming here the bible said we do not have a high priest who cannot feel our infirmities the bible said he became like us because of our temptations somebody said the church is a hospital if your doctor don't feel your pain, you are in trouble. <laughs> you are in trouble. Uh, my, mother, my mother has been telling me a story about a certain nurse that she met when she was giving birth to me. She said she has never met such a wicked human being before. He said the woman was just slapping, slapping her. She, she, she doesn't know if the woman has never given birth before or anything. When the one to heal you doesn't feel your pain, you are in trouble. But thanks be to God, the one to heal us in this kingdom was made flesh and blood so that he will be a merciful and a faithful high priest. He knows how he feels when you are hungry because he was hungry before. He knows how he feels when you are thirsty because you are thirsty before. He knows how he feels when hell comes after your life because he has been there before when satan came after him for 40 days and 40 nights he said he put himself through that so that he can be a merciful and a faithful high priest we are not alone people of god we are not alone we are not alone in our prayerlessness he's still there in our weaknesses he's still there don't stop church don't run away you are the right place sometimes when you become weak this place is the place to be because the one to run to the high priest feels your pain sometimes men may not understand your own pastor sometimes we don't understand but run to, into the church and when he said when two or three gather he's there just run and be part and when you join us when he enters among us he'll be looking for whom that his strength should be made perfect in the person's weakness you don't stop coming to church because you sinned you rather come because that is where the true high priest is when you run away from church you are going to meet the tempter he will fight you he will crush you in the time that you can't put yourself under control you run to him you run to him sometimes the messages may be hard but it's part of the oil and the wine that he's putting on the wound. In his goodness, his vision is the place of sanctification. 
That is why when he called you, the Bible says that he that knew no sin was made sin, that we will become the righteousness of God. That is how God operates. The Bible says for Jesus was crucified from the foundation of the world. Sometimes he declares the end from the beginning. So the moment you enter, you may still be in your dirty garment, but he will call you righteous because he knows that he's declaring your end from now. Why? Because he will take you through the process of sanctification in the course of time. So when you come, God can call, God can call a tree chair because he has seen the end of the tree. So to you, when you see the tree, it's a tree. But when God sees it, it's a chair. That is why he can call you that you are the citizen, you are a citizen of heaven. You are already seated with Jesus. Why? Because he's seeing you already there, though you are not there yet. Because he knows that he will be responsible to carry you through to that place. And he declares your end so that he can remain faithful to take you through. Am I talking to a church here at all? Listen, if God declare you righteous in your sinful nature, that doesn't mean that he's calling you into an irresponsible Christian experience. No more. He's only calling you righteous, the end of your journey, so that he will be committed enough through the means of long suffering, through the means of faithfulness, and through the means of mercy to work on you till you reach out to become what he has already declared you to be. Because he's not a man that he should lie. So if he calls you righteous, he must be responsible to make you righteous. This is where the place of sanctification comes in. When he begins to work on you and it begins from changing your heart it starts from changing your heart he brings you in place a tag on you this is the righteousness of God then the first thing is the rebirth experience then he changes your heart that is what Ezekiel 36 24-25 talks about that he will change our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh and then he will put our spirits in our heart and the the assignment for that change and regeneration is that so that we can obey his commandments that old heart was not fashioned fashioned to obey god that old heart was not fashioned to walk in the likeness of god that old heart no it was not made to be like god it has already been deformed but the moment he calls you in the first assignment is to do something on your inside to a point that the things you used to do you cannot do again you set yourself i want to watch pornography but something has happened to your heart in the course of time you don't feel it anymore it's there that is why one time in Matthew 23, he came, he said that your people are like beautiful tomb. You have dressed up beautifully, but inside of you are stinking bones. God knew the solution is not to dress us physically. The solution is to start something in the heart. Then he knew that he has to first bring us in and then he will begin a regeneration of the heart. Even God himself is scared of the human heart. For the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? An ungenerated heart. A heart that is not born again. Even a Bible in his hands is dangerous. Even a Bible in the hands of somebody who is, whose heart has not been changed is dangerous. And one of the first miracles that happens to us 
is a change something inside have you not realized that the first miracle jesus ever did the bible said that he told them choose the sex purifying pot and fill it with water and the first instance is that they chose the six the number still stand for man so he was talking about what he's about to do to man and then the master of the ceremony has already tasted the wine but this time a new wine came from the same spot and he said why have you reserved the best wine jesus was trying to tell us that the old testament life god tasted it but he was coming to introduce a new life by changing something on our inside so that god will love us and enjoy us more than he enjoyed the moses and the elijah i'm talking to a church here that you will submit yourself to that changing process he said he will give you the spirit he will give you his gifts pastors to some he gave apostles to some he gave pastors for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry and then he said that we all will come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man and to the measure of the fullness of the stature of christ that is the agenda that he picks us the way we are we are alienated from the life of god but he gives us pastors that is why you come to church you have come to such conferences he gives us pastors they work on us the final agenda i've been saying this over and over the final agenda of god's workings is that we come to a place where we look like Jesus it's a process it's a process for all things work together for the good of them that love God all things work together then he finishes the verse 29 and says for those they for for those he foreknew he predestined to conform so everybody entered this world with a destiny to the destiny to be like jesus so actually your destiny is not a doctor your destiny is not a carpenter your destiny to be is jesus practicing carpentry jesus practicing medicine am i here with the church at all your real destiny is to be like jesus then he goes ahead to say for those he predestined he called for those he called he justified for those he justified he glorified why because all things work together he knew you didn't start as a Christian you may have started as a Muslim you may have started as a prostitute but when he calls you he will justify you to let everything know that you can't lay a charge on this person because he needed what he went through to be able to fulfill what I'm taking him to there is a whole process that goes on until there is a life that is implanted in us that we lose ourselves and lose the world and all we adapt is Jesus so that when people come into the church they are seeing different members of the body of Christ that has been matured into the body of Christ you can you alone cannot be the whole body sometimes you are an eye but you have not been matured enough to see well so you subject yourself to the transforming power of the Holy Ghost and the teachings of the shepherds that he has given us until you begin to see well so that when we come into the church our eyes are cleared another one too is a full hand but he has taken his time to grow into a certain perfect and mature state that is functioning so perfect that is why the whole Ephesians chapter 4 talks about that when we all grow 
through the truth then we will begin to function as one body that's a calling that's a calling so you didn't come just to settle through so we do your naming dedications and do your funeral then you go there's a whole agenda I love the song the choir sang when I shall see him and you will ask me how far I will say sir I've tried I've tried I've tried everyone will answer this question you are to be built for an assignment the calling is the first stage then he changes your heart then he continues to transform you into his full maturity and when you get to that point he can send you out as an assignment a weapon of God to fulfill an assignment then you walk into heaven with shoulders high they interview Catherine Coleman and they ask her when you meet Jesus what are the words you tell him it's Catherine Coleman told the interviewer when I meet Jesus I'll look into his eyes and tell him I tried my best those were the words of Catherine Coleman I've tried my best for you I preach all out you made me an intercessor I matured quickly and I prayed through you made me a giver I matured quickly because one of the giftings of the Holy Ghost is giving you made me an administrator of your body I matured quickly. That's the danger of refusing to mature. When you spend a whole lifetime still in his arms, enjoying his warmth, happily in his love, and you keep on telling yourself, God lost me. Doesn't matter what I do. He lost me. Doesn't matter what I do. There is a day that you will have to answer some questions. That those questions, only your maturity on earth would have helped you to answer that's the day that you will look eyeball to eyeball to ask him to tell to answer him sir did you do what i sent you to do i understand that you should have used five years to mature you should have used three years to mature but now you have used 20 years you are still a comfortable no nonsense believer pastor can't correct me if i realize the message is going against me me i'll go to pastor and warn him and sometimes when we are teaching messages that will stir you up onto effectiveness you tell him no just Tell me to receive and let me receive and go home. You can keep receiving until one day the master will ask you, what did you give? Can, uh, um, Rejuana went to heaven and saw a man he doesn't know anywhere and has never read about him and doesn't know anywhere sitting among the patrons and asked Jesus, who is this man? What did he do? Then Jesus said, he's a great man. He was a beggar. His name is Angelo. He was a beggar. 
He said, so why does he have such a place? He said, because he finished his assignment. He won two souls. He won two souls. He said, so he finished his assignment. He said, there are some people who should have won thousand souls. They won just hundred. Those people cannot come near this man. Because this man completed the work. My meat and my drink is to do his will and to finish it. You must finish. You must finish. You must. It's not to try to do it. Trying is not enough. We must finish it. Like Apostle Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Jesus sang on the cross. He said, it is finished. Oh, we can't end prematurely. We can't. We can't. Let the church arise. We can't. Let they have a church who will run to their pastors and leaders and tell us, work on me quickly. There is a cause to fulfill. Work on me. There are souls to win. Work on me. There are churches to plant. Work on me. Work on me. One time Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me before this perverse and wicked world, I will be ashamed of you before my Father and the holy angels. One day we shall behold his eyes and we will not see his very eyes. We will see the people we should have loved that we didn't love. We will see those we should have prayed for that we didn't pray for. We will see those, all we, they needed was for us to drive our private cars, go to their houses, pick them up. If it, we have to iron, we iron for them. Pick them up. Take them to church till they mature. Those are the people we will see in his eyes. We will see those who are in hell, whom he gave them to us, that we should have defended them. Till they make it to heaven and we were so busy with ourselves so busy so busy I always say that one of the failures in the Bible is Lazarus so the rich man went to hell and saw the reality of hell then cried out to Abraham and says, send Lazarus to my house. I have five brothers. This your boy used to come to the house and all he will ask for is food. But he never told us that there is a place like this. This time, let him go. Let him not go and beg for food. Let him go and tell my five brothers that there is a place called hell. There is. I tell you, many of us are committing the sins of Lazarus in this generation. We are too busy dining with people who are on the highway to hell. We are too busy doing business with people who are on the highway to hell. We call people besties, they are on the highway to hell. We finish whatever we have to finish with them and we dress up and come to church and there is no burden in our heart because we have not allowed God to work on us till he put a certain burden in our heart Jesus is coming and his hope is the church his hope is you and I it's us it's us
there are days that I'll just midnight walking through the streets Lord you must save you must save do you capture the salvation of souls in your fasting and prayer do you do you it brings us to a place of maturity and one of the signs of maturing into the fullness of Christ is a burden to see to see a saved generation it's a burden not until you have gotten there then you still need training but how long have you been in church how long how long will, that, will we be babies for ye are hers Romans 8 17 for ye are hers and joined hers with Christ Jesus if you are joined hers with Christ Jesus he said then if you will suffer with him together you will be glorified with him this is our calling we are hers together with Jesus let me end here you are hers together with Jesus and he said one of the signs and one of the responsibility of being here with Jesus is that we have to suffer with him and let me show you the suffering verse 18 for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time may not are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us oh for the endless expectation this is the suffering the endless expectation of the creature awaited for the manifestation of the sons of God. The reason why we tarry in God's presence and we come for such meetings to be built is that there is a generation waiting for the expectation, the manifestation, not for the children of God, for the sons that matured. God will not give a child to the world. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. He gives birth to a child. Raises the child. And he gives him as a son to the world. What the, the church to save the world is not the babies. The church to save the world is the sons. The matured. The matured. He said for the endless expectation of the creator waited for the manifestation of the sons of God so the more we delay in our maturity the more the creature groans the groans when we come to church and we don't even know the essence of church there is a groaning creation there are people in circle right now they are waiting for some mature sons who will just greet them and the power will move through their system they are waiting their souls are crying it's crying 20 for the creator was subject to vanity not willingly the arm robbers with guns the bible said they are subject to vanity but it's not according to their will their souls are crying i don't want this but something is pushing them and that thing is pushing them so that the church will know their place and mature quickly for the salvation of the creature but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope someone has subjected them to create hope in them for the waiting of the mature sons 
because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Every sinner on earth has a destiny to be part of us. But it will work through the mature sons. It will. Cut your sleeping time for the sake of the lost souls. Cut it and pray. Cut your eating times for the sake of the lost souls and pray. Christianity is a luxury for babies. But you must get to a point where the burden of salvation, the salvation of souls is placed on you. It's placed. It's not about you and your children. It's about you and a lost world. They are lost. The Bible says they must all. For we know that the whole creation groaned and travailed in pain together until now. They are groaning and travailing. The one sniffing cocaine is traveling. Homosexuals are traveling. It may look like they are fine, but deep within, they are looking for who to save them. Who to save them. I started praying this prayer until it got to a time in our church every Sunday, at least one testimony will pass through somebody will come and testify of addiction that has been broken he started that was when I knew that the creation keeps traveling they are looking for the manifestation of the sons of God this is why you are called into this body God will make you rich for others God will empower you for others he will anoint you for others he will bless you for others. He will touch you for others. He will favor you for others. He saved you for others. Obadiah 19, he said that there shall be saviors on Mount Zion. Jesus is not the only savior. He wants to mature you so that through you, he can save others. There shall be saviors in Mount Zion. Save. Be ready. Be ready to die for this cause. You are not in a church to help pastor. You are in a church to fulfill a divine mandate upon your life. Be ready like this church must expand. That this ministry must grow. When everyone begins to function, then you tell yourself, Lord, I am ready. Before I cross the shores of this world, may I cross as one that served the Lord. One that walked in obedience. One that loved him. We are not doing this for what to eat. We are not doing this. It's beyond that. It's beyond that. You all seated here weapons in the hands of God that in time he will release us and conquer Sakumono into the world how long have we been seated waiting on God while he is waiting on us God's method is men if there is any strategy in heaven it will not miss us we are God's strategy in this end time the antichrist is at work where are the people of Christ? 
the system of the antichrist is being built entering into the educational sector political realm nations and cities and we are here enjoying ourselves when will we give up and allow god break our defenses and we come on the altar and say lord we are the sacrifice we have come will you end this year without winning souls again Will you end this year without committing to the service of God again? How long? Will you end this year? Oh Jesus. Without allowing God use these hands to heal. Will you end this year? So not affecting the economy of this church with your finances. Will you end this year? Still in the sin and weaknesses. Will you end? Hey. Let the church be the church. That will be the light that will overcome the darkness. Anytime you mention corrupt politicians, put your head into shame. Because we are the reason why the corruption still exists. They are waiting for us. We are the reason why I'm robbery is still abandoned. They are waiting for us. We are the reason why immorality has spread. They are waiting for us. I pray for everybody here that throughout this conference, as we give ourselves away, as we give ourselves away, so genuinely from our souls. If you can speak in unknown tongues, begin to speak it out. That Lord, I present my body. I have an eye, I give it to you. I have a hand, I give it to you. Moses, I will be with your mouth. Tell the Lord, I have a mouth, Lord. Be with it. I have some feet, I give it out. Here am I. Here am I. Here am I. Make me eat that which you want to. Here am I. I have relaxed for five years here am I if one will follow Jesus let him deny himself I have been full of myself for many years Lord I have come to carry the cross I have come to carry the cross for I have no time I have no time I have come to carry the cross the cross of intercession the cross of soul winning the cross of sacrifice the cross of teaching the word the cross of leadership the cross of fasting the cross of sacrifice deny yourself carry your cross and follow me here we are here we are so many excuses Lord no more no more I have been hiding behind my shyness no more I've been hiding behind my weakness no more I've been hiding behind the fact that I'm not schooled no more no more
more. I am ready, Lord. I am ready, Lord. He barazo so feli. Come in a cosifinimina. Rada baleki kezi. Sofa belekatele. Sasisi lekete. Come in a cofamele. Scofe paradesa. Hai yakasete. Amake bilele. Shalana. Lakatesa bilelea. Ansumeli. Walebelikia. Shabababash. Can you lift up that hands? Make this commitment. Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready. Now you are going to break every defense of yours. I'm shy. I am discouraged. Uh, I am offended. Those defenses, you are telling Lord, the Lord, I lay it on your altar. I lay it on your altar. I lay it. I lay it down and I'm all out Jesus that's your prayer tonight work on me touch me until I'll be useful in your hands make me useful there is nobody too far from being used by the Lord you are not too far from being used by the Lord Jeremiah said I can't speak he said, that is what I'm looking for. Moses said, I can't speak. He said, I'm looking for that. Peter said, I'm a fisherman." man. He said, that is what I want. Cry out to the Lord with your hands lifted. I said, Lord, use me. Use me. Use me, Lord. Keep
the time. You can go and study the three wishes of Alexander the Great. When Alexander the Great was about to die, he shared three wishes to them that when he dies, that is what they should do for him. He said that when I die, let my doctors carry the coffin. And he said that, that from my palace to where I'll be buried, he said, spread my, all my silver, my diamonds and my golds, and let the doctors work on it. And he said that when you are carrying me, leave my hands outside the coffin and let my empty hands show. They asked him why. He said that I want people to know that there is a place where technology ends. He said, when I fell sick, I have employed all doctors, the best in the world. He said, no one has been able to save me. I will soon die. He said, what about spreading the gold? He said that because money cannot save. And he said, what about the hands? Bringing your hands out of the coven. He said, because I want the young people that follow me to know that we came empty-handed and we will live empty-handed. Sir, don't keep anything from God. Don't keep it. Don't keep your life from God. Don't keep your substance from Him. Don't keep your time from Him. Don't keep your energy from Him. Because a day is coming, you will walk empty. You will go out. You came so empty. You will leave. When Bob Marley was on the hospital bed, he told his son Ziggy, he said, Ziggy, money cannot save. If, it's, if you have it in your hands, sir, put it into the kingdom and keep seven. Keep seven. Keep seven. Love him as much as you can love him. Because the kind of love he showed you on that cross, there is nothing you can do that can match up. The best you can do is that little life of yours. You use it for him. At least in a lifetime. If you'll be 80 years on earth, give him some. If you'll be 90 years, give him some, sir. Give him. Let something about you be for him and him alone. Surrender. And tell him that, Lord, you brought me. You died for me. And I will leave. You saved me and healed me. Polished me and perfected me. That I will be of use to you. I pray for you that you will not forget these words through the year. That you will run with it for the rest of the days. In Jesus name. Amen. The message you just listened to is from ICGC Karis Temple. To connect with us, you can like our page on Facebook at ICGC Karis Temple or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ICGC Karis. We would like to hear of how God is blessing you through this podcast. To support this podcast, please click on the profile button and click on support. Thank you and God richly bless you.